What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome back once again to the PC Speaking Podcast. As always, it's great to have you along with us again this week. Welcome to our new series, kicking off a new one this week, Relationships 101. When we think about relationships, we're in a very interesting time in history because how relationships work has changed in some ways. The basic principles of relationships, obviously, they never change, but how we interact with people is different today than it ever has been in the history of the world. The way we communicate, the way we view relationships has changed. Um, Sometimes we, I personally know some young people who have some friends online that they've never even met. Um, I remember I knew a guy, it was probably 20 years ago, who was married and had met his wife on the internet. And if you uh, remember back that long ago, if you've been around that long, 20, 25 years ago, meeting someone online was an unusual thing to do. And people even made jokes about it at the time. But now that's often how people meet, how they interact. Um, I'm pretty far removed from uh, the dating scene, but uh, the way people interact has changed. I do a lot of interaction with people online uh, through social media and such. Um, but there are some, some principles that when someone verbalizes them, it's like something that we always have known, but we have never put it into words. And this, what I'm trying to communicate today is kind of like that. And I hope I'm able to do it in a way that is understandable. I want to communicate a principle that I kind of know in my head, I feel in my heart, but putting into words might be a little bit more of a challenge. And in this case, I'm referring to the necessity of relationships in just about everything we do. Every one of us would all likely say that we have a relationship, at least one of them, that is very important to us, maybe several. But when we start looking more into relationships, almost every human endeavor is built on a relationship of some kind. We've talked about this before, but ideally, a family is built on a marriage relationship, which is a special kind of relationship because it's a covenant relationship. But we'll be talking about that more later in this series. But families are built on the marriage relationship. Churches are built on families and society is built on families. And we learn most of what we know um, in that relationship within the family growing up good, bad, or otherwise, you know, however that might manifest itself. That's where we learn a lot of what we learn about life. And being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, our life is, as Christians, is built on a relationship with Jesus. And that's what makes someone a Christian. It's not being baptized. It's not even following the commands of Jesus. Although those, those things are very important, being a Christian is founded in the relationship we have with the Lord. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that differentiates Christianity from other world religions. Religions often involve, you know, codes of behavior, both moral and religious. And you follow those codes of behavior to achieve the goal of the religion, whatever that might be, getting steps, enlightenment, you know, utopia, whatever it is. But many religious belief systems share a lot of moral similarities. And the deities of those religions are often distant 
and disconnected from the inherent uh, the adherence to those religions. And the only way to connect with whatever deity is through trying to adhere to religious and moral practice. But Christianity is different in that uh, God has made himself very personal to each of us. He's made himself accessible to us through relationship. Now, we talked about this in the last episode when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. It was torn apart. And that is symbolizes, uh, signifies the fact that everyone has uh, a way open to them to have a relationship with God. Jesus opened the way for everyone to have that direct access to God through his shed blood on the cross. And we have access to relationship with God through the gospel. God is not distant from us. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have one with me. And Jesus has made that possible. I've heard some people say many times, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship, which is pretty cliche these days and frankly makes me a little bit nauseous, but that's okay. I get the sentiment. But sometimes when someone says that, they also discount the other relationships that are part of being a Christian, the relationship with other believers, the fellowship, the church, accountability, relationships, all those good things that come with it. And I've been thinking and praying and studying about this series, I have been thinking about how vital relationships are to not only Christians, but everyone. In the Bible, God has given us many tools, principles, and precepts to help us navigate life in a broken and lost world. And his commands are given to us to show us how to live. They give us a clear path to follow in demonstrating that we love God. Uh, His commands help us represent him properly in the world. And when we view them correctly, we see biblical commands as a tremendous blessing. And the Bible gives us foundational principles for us to apply to the relationships in our lives. And it's wise to revisit those, which is what this series is all about, Relationships 101. And today we're going to begin with the most important relationship a person can have, our relationship with God. And the first passage that we are looking at is in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Uh, Just before this passage that we're going to read, to put it in a little bit of context, Jesus was approached by some Sadducees with a question about uh, seven brothers. And they present Jesus with a hypothetical, um, you know, what if kind of question. And they come to him and say, okay, there's seven brothers. The first one has a wife. He dies. The next brother marries the wife, um, which is his cultural obligation. He was supposed to do that to care for his brother's wife. And they asked Jesus, what if all seven brothers marry the wife? Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And that's kind of a snarky question for Sadducees to be asking because they didn't believe in a resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see. Anyway. Um, those sensationalized questions like that are are uh, called a, a straw man argument, but that's a topic for another day. After his interaction with the Sadducees, Jesus is then confronted by the Pharisees with another question. 
And that's where we come to our passage today. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And I'm reading from the modern English version, the MEV. If you'd like to follow along, you're welcome to do that. I can just uh, read it to you as well, and you can listen. When the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they came together. One of them, who was a lawyer, tested him by asking him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word relationship is defined as the way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected. We're concentrating on people, not things. Relationships are the way in which we connect to and with others. That can be good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise. We have some kind of relationship with everyone we interact with. It may be brief and not have a lot of depth or meaning, or it may be a very deep, long-term, valuable, and vital relationship, like the relationship a believer has with God, or maybe a long-term marriage. And to begin, we're talking about the most important relationship we have or can have, and that is our relationship with God. Something every relationship has is boundaries. And those will vary Um, depending on the relationship, but every relationship has them. From the very first relationship we see in the Bible, God always establishes boundaries for what determines a right relationship. God is a God of boundaries. For Adam and Eve, it was very simple, very easy. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the boundary of the relationship. And Adam and Eve transgressed that boundary and ruined the relationship. And the word transgress means to go beyond the limits or, you know, trespass is similar. We hear about sins and trespasses and transgressions in the Bible. And it means crossing over the line, like jumping over a fence into a place where we're not supposed to be, going uh, beyond the boundary that God has set. In the Old Testament, when the Egypts or the, the Israelites leave Egypt, God gives Israel the law the nation of Israel. And he has a special relationship with the nation of Israel because they are his covenant people. And with the law, he's saying here are the boundaries for that relationship. The law defines the boundaries of the relationship between God and Israel. And there are 613 Levitical laws in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament law can be divided into three basic parts. And there's definitely overlap between these, but there's the religious or ceremonial law, the law governing the relationship between God and his people. There is the civil law. We could probably say that governs the relationship between individuals and the state of Israel as a nation, or um, sometimes it governs how the state would intervene in the relationship between individuals when the need arose. And there's also the moral law, the part of the Old Testament, which is the part we pay attention to today, uh, which governs the relationship between everyone and everything. And when we start to talk about morality, especially morality as it is defined in the Bible, many people balk at that. Um, 
I think what they don't understand is that the moral precepts in scripture, God has given us to protect good relationships. Uh, Good relationships are defined by boundaries and that's what God's given us. God says, stay within these boundaries and your relationships will be good. For instance, when we enter into a marriage relationship, I've performed a lot of wedding ceremonies and I, you know, have the couple repeat vows and we put boundaries around that relationship. That's what marriage vows are about. They establish and protect the marriage relationship. And uh, in the ceremonies I do, obviously those are going to be very biblically based. And when viewed in that light, God's moral law, the commands of Jesus, biblical moral precepts, they are an amazing gift. They show us how to best navigate relationships in a lost and broken world. And they can be very, very helpful. God's commands are actually protective boundaries. If you want to be right, good, well, you stay within the boundaries God has set. You know, if you want to live the the best life that you can, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be problems and troubles, but the best thing to do is stay within the boundaries God has set because that's going to make it as good as it can possibly be. Now, um, I'm I'm sure that at some point you've uh, driven or been in a car, you hop on the highway and you head somewhere in the car. And when you drive on the road, you share the road with other drivers as you travel. We all do that. Even though we don't know them personally, we have a relationship with the other drivers on the road. And we're all connected in that we are all sharing the same boundaries. We share the speed limit. We share the way the lanes are divided. We share the same traffic laws. We share stoplights and stop signs and all those kinds of things, road signs. And, you know, I know that there are some who may not follow those as closely as others, but, you know, that's the case with everything. There's always outliers who are doing things they shouldn't be doing. But our well-being depends on our relationship and being connected by the rules of the road and all of us staying within the boundaries of that relationship. My well-being depends on the other drivers staying within the boundaries of that relationship and their well-being depends on me staying within the boundaries of that relationship. And as long as we both do that, the relationship works and we can both benefit from it. I can travel a long way in comfort very quickly. Of course, there's occasional slowdown or traffic accident and things like that, but the rules of the road are still the best way to navigate things when they don't go well. As we think about that, what happens when someone decides to throw the boundaries out the window? They say, well, I don't like boundaries, so I am no longer going to adhere to those boundaries. I don't want to follow the rules of the road, so I'm not going to. On the road especially a very busy road, if someone disregards the boundaries, things get dangerous very quickly. The moment someone disregards the boundaries, they disregard the relationship and care for those in the relationship. If many people do that, the entire system will collapse. The road would become absolutely chaos and no one could get anywhere and it wouldn't benefit anybody. Now, if someone wanted to do away with all of the boundaries that govern how we use the road and we're to say none of that matters. I want to be free to do whatever I want. 
whenever I want without consequence or accountability. And I want everyone to be okay with that. We'd say, you're crazy. No way. It's idiotic to do away with those boundaries. But at the same time, I wonder if anyone listening has ever received a traffic violation. Got a speeding ticket. I had a ton of those when I was younger. I suppose I've even had a few more recently. But in those uh, infractions, let's call them, I will assume the best and believe that when you did, when you did get a a speeding ticket or running a stop sign, whatever it might've been, it was unintentional or maybe it was a momentary lapse of reason, but most of us have been there and we were sorry for it. At least when we had to pay the fine for it, we were sorry. The reality is, is that we all transgress those boundaries at some point. We all cross over into somewhere that we shouldn't be. And that's also true with the commands God has given us. We all transgress those boundaries at some point. And when we do, we put a strain on our relationships. Now, the Pharisees in our passage who come to Jesus, they come to Jesus with these questions and they are very well-versed and very good at keeping God's commands. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there were some of them who could actually recite all of the Levitical laws. It was kind of their thing. It's what they did. It's like their shtick. They even tried to make sure everyone else did the same. And they even added some things to them, thinking they were going to enhance what God had already given them. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't try to add things to God's word that aren't there. The Pharisees come to Jesus. And they ask him, out of the 613 Levitical laws, which one's the most important? Now, they are really asking Jesus, how do you view the law? What do you think about it? And we need to be careful with that question. It'd be easy to get off in the weeds with that. But how does Jesus view the law? Well, from what we read, he understands it. He taught with authority. He would have taught about the law. He kept it. He never actually transgressed it, the only person who ever lived to do that. So it's obviously important to him. And when he is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Listen to what he says. Verse 37 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I have no doubt that there have been thousands of sermons and studies on this passage. It's actually a very well-known passage, and they probably all do a great job of explaining the verse as well. Not all of them, but many of them would do a great job of explaining these verses. You've probably heard these verses before. And I'm sure that I won't say anything new, but remember, we're approaching this from a relationship perspective. Jesus views the commands of God as very important. He kept them. So on their importance, Jesus and the Pharisees would probably agree. They both thought they were very important. But when you read the New Testament, you see that the relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees was strained at best, and it was not good. It was very confrontational. And they obviously have differing views on the commands of God, but the different views would not be on the importance of those commands. When Jesus 
says what he does. He answers the question with love God, love your neighbor. He sums up the 10 commandments. Um, good exercise. If you're interested, go back maybe and uh, take a little time, read the 10 commandments from Exodus chapter 20 and look at them from a relationship perspective. The first five involve people's relationship with God and the second five involve people's relationships with other people. So give them a look. And from a relationship perspective, now in saying what he does, Jesus is summing up the 10 commandments, but he's not saying something new either. He's quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five and Leviticus 19, 18. And those verses say exactly what Jesus said. He's quoting them verbatim. Jesus is answering their question and giving them the two most important commands in the Old Testament. He, uh, he's not just making this up. It's, it's, those are both commands in the Old Testament. Jesus was just, it wasn't quoting actual commands. The Pharisees would have quickly jumped on that. When we read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we often see in them uh, that they are trying to split hairs. And to them, the commands of God are a means of leveraging God to get what they want. Like if I do this, if I do that, God's gonna have to bless me. If I do this, if I do that, God's gonna let me into heaven. They're, they're using the commands of God as a means to leverage to get what they want out of God um, and controlling others as well to get them to do what they want them to do. Kind of like a modern day legalist uh, in Christianity would do. Their view of the commands of God is not really about boundaries, uh, or relationships, it's about leverage. It would be like a husband. Uh, well, and unfortunately, this has been a reality in some homes. It's been a misunderstanding among Christians and secular people alike. But um, I, several years ago, I was stupid enough to do this when I was younger, when my wife knew Jesus and I did not. And I remember fighting with her about something. And I said something along the lines of, well, the Bible says I'm the head of the household and you need to do what I say. Now, the Bible does say in the New Testament that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. That's true. But the command is meant to be a boundary for a good relationship, not for selfish leverage. And in my ignorance and pride, I use it for leverage, like a legalist or a Pharisee. And, you know, I'll always, I'll, I'll never forget that I did that. I wear the consequence of that. Jesus has forgiven me. My wife has forgiven me, but I still regret it. But what Jesus says shows us the commands are not about leverage. They're not about controlling people or using them to control God either. And what Jesus says, he brings love into the relationship boundaries that are the commands of God. He doesn't say they are not important. He doesn't say that they are not meaningful, but the application of commands is made through loving God first and foremost, and also loving your neighbor. Jesus is showing us the balance between the commands of God and love and how they interact and how the two together bring us to the place God wants us to be. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, modern day legalist Christians use the commands for leverage um, to get people to do what they want them to do, to make ourselves comfortable. And the Pharisees were supposed to be the religious leaders. They were supposed to be to care for the people they would have, should have followed the commands out of love to live within the boundaries of loving relationships with God and other people. But instead, they leveraged them 
And, and again, modern day legalism does the same thing. Charlatans do the same thing. Religious leaders who take advantage of people do the same thing. I had a conversation with someone recently about this who was angry and they were saying, you know, the same old tropes that I often hear. Churches only want money and religious leaders prey on people and they want to use you. And I admitted, yes, there are some who have leveraged religious belief for personal gain. And I hate that as much as you do. That's the thing a lot of people don't understand is we're on the same page when it comes to that stuff. But what a lot of people don't understand is that does not rightly represent God or what his commands are about. And it pains me to think so many people are making a decision about church and religion and Jesus and uh, based on the actions of those who have tried to leverage God's commands for gain. And part of my mission, I feel called to do this, is to give people right information so they are at the very least able to make a rightly informed decision about Jesus, that he loves you and he gives us commands as a path to navigate a lost and broken world, not to uh, control you. They are a gift that is a roadmap on how to live the, the best possible way. You know, life's not going to be perfect ever, but if we follow the moral precepts of scripture, it's going to be as good as it can be. But then on the other side of that, other side of the same coin, I suppose you could call it, there is progressive Christianity. And the problem with that is it emphasizes love to the point of tossing out the commands and nothing God says really matters because it's all about love anyway. But when you go down that road, you end up in a scenario where you are on the road where people are not only not following rules, but there are no rules. And it becomes a dangerous place where no one is safe and no one gets anywhere and it doesn't benefit anyone. And biblical commands are the boundaries for right relationships. They are how we relate to God and other people. And they're fueled by love. That's what Jesus is teaching us. We have commands because God loves us. We strive to live by them because we love God. And I don't mean emotional love. I'm not talking about sappy love, uh, feeling kind of love. You know, when you're driving down the road and you're following the road rules and someone else isn't and they cut you off, you don't always feel love for the other drivers on the road, but you still follow the rules of the road. Okay, You don't have to feel love to act in love. When we look at biblical commands, Jesus says, this is how to follow them correctly. Love God, love your neighbor. That kind of sums everything else up. If you're acting from that place, you're going to do okay. Jesus sums up the duty of keeping God's commands as love, to be right. Love and commands are inseparable. We got to have both. We have to have love and we need commands. Whether leveraging a command without love or so-called love outside of God's commands, both pervert both love and the commands. So what we're trying to do is live inside of God's boundaries, acting out of love for God and our neighbor. And that's really sacrificial love. And Jesus is the perfect example of that in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight. The Bible says, let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself 
taking upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We sin. We transgress the boundaries God has set for us. We we jump the fence into places we know we shouldn't go. And because of that, we are separated from him. And if it were only about commands, that would be the end of the matter. That's where things would stop. We would face God's judgment, eternal condemnation, and that would be the destination for us all. However, God's soul of the world, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to shed his blood for your sin and mine, He's made a way through Jesus so that you and I might have a relationship with him, a relationship where you become his child rather than the object of his wrath. You see, God is perfect. His commands are permanent and perfect. God won't just throw those out the window. He won't toss them aside. He won't forget them. They're too important. At the same time, God loves you and has provided a way through his son to have a relationship with him. His commands are too important to be broken without consequence, nor can they be done away with. They can't be ignored. They're so important that the only way the consequence of transgressing his commands can be paid for is through the shed blood of Jesus. You see, Jesus kept the commands. He was a perfect sacrifice and he died on the cross as an innocent man taking our place. And God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to shed his blood as a payment for our sin. God's love and commands are beautiful. They're a blessing. Don't be duped into thinking they're just to control people. God wants you to be reconciled to him through the shed blood of Jesus. He wants a relationship with you and he wants you to follow his commands in that relationship. And you can have that. You can have that relationship with him. You recognize that you need a savior. I have transgressed the boundaries God has put in place. Jesus died on the cross for me and turned to him in faith. And I'm sure that uh, many people listening have probably heard that presented many times. That's what we call the gospel. It's the good news. But if that's new to you, maybe it's the first time you've understood it. You can start that relationship with Jesus Right now, wherever you are, turn to him in prayer, recognizing your need for a savior and accept that gift that he offers you through his son, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins in eternity with him in a relationship with him in heaven. Have a great week. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful.